Welcome to the Self Mastery Podcast. I am your host, Maria Fuentes, and on the show, we will talk about all things the self. I believe that it all starts and ends with you, and every one of us has the ability to create the life we've always wanted. I'm here to help you expand your mind, conquer your limiting beliefs, and guide you to ultimate self-love and magnetizing confidence. You've come to the right place if you're ready to take full ownership of your life and find your true authentic self. Welcome to your weekly dose of transformation. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Self Mastery with Maria. If you've listened to any of my episodes, thank you for listening. And if this is your first one, this is probably going to be a great one because I'm going to go deep into my past and my childhood traumas and all the things I've been through because on social media, I usually talk about the last four years and how I decided to change my life and get out of my depression, my anxiety and start working and healing through my traumas. But I don't really know that I've talked about my traumas in depth or even talked about my childhood or things that I've gone through in the past. So I'm excited to share all of that with you guys. And I'm also getting ready to go on a spiritual retreat here in about eight days. On my birthday, I actually leave the day of my 33rd birthday. And I'm so excited. It's something I've been wanting to do forever. And it's definitely part of a healing process for me and just even diving deeper into myself. And I actually just got off a phone call with my one of my spiritual leaders that are going to be you know doing the retreat and just hearing his experience and what other people experienced during the ceremony really eased my mind because I've been a little nervous a little anxious and I'll get more in depth with all that later but I want to take you on Maria's evolution because I truly believe that my story will help motivate you and inspire you because I did not come from the most amazing childhood I have so much trauma so much emotional baggage emotional just crap that I've had to deal with and I've had to learn how to heal through and things that most people don't go through. So if you can relate to any part of my story, I'm here to tell you that your story doesn't have to be your whole story, especially your childhood. We can never choose who raises us, how we're raised, what we have to go through, but we can choose as adults like what we want out of life and how to take full control of life and be better, do better. We can choose the life that we want to live and sometimes because of our childhood, it, it becomes really heavy and it is a little intense and it's sacrifices of, all right, I'm going to go through the, the depths of myself now so that I can heal myself versus just being in like a reactive, depressed, anxious state. So you're, you kind of have to, at some point in your life, you have to pick and choose. Do I want to stay where I'm at, where I'm unhappy, or do I choose to go deep into myself and learn about myself and heal and I know that my story will inspire you and just motivate you into knowing that if I could come out of all of the crap that I went through and have all this self-awareness and self-acknowledgement and even through I'll talk about my therapy a, a bit too like my therapy was intense especially hypnotherapy I've talked about it a lot but it was the most life-changing experience of my life but during that time I questioned myself so much and I questioned everything about my life and everything that I thought I knew I like went in deep and I hope the ceremony that I'm going to be a part of with ayahuasca will help me get even deeper so let's begin so let's see where do I even start I mean there's so much about my life that I want to share I grew up pretty much just with a single mom my dad wasn't in the picture much he was a drug dealer in Miami and addicted to drugs so my dad was in and out of my life and my mom at the time was a single mom worked really hard and had had some crazy about her she had a very intense and a lot of childhood trauma to her and it 
I mean, at the moment, I didn't realize that that's what it was. I just knew, okay, I'm growing up with my mom. And I my two siblings that I had, my two sisters that I have are 13 years and 15 years older than me. So by the time I was five, they're already having their own kids. So they weren't even in my life, really. So I grew up feeling really alone. I grew up feeling really controlled. My mom was very controlling over my life. And even having my dad in my life, she was very much, if you're not going to give us money, you're not going to be in our daughter's life. And, you know, just always, I remember there always being a push and pull. My mom and my dad got separated, I want to say around four years old. But before that, one of the earliest memories that I have, and to be honest, there's not a lot that I remember of my childhood. And I learned that in hypnotherapy that I blocked out so much trauma that some good, some bad, all of it just kind of went in, in a secret box in my brain. And I didn't really know how to even get it out of there. And during hypnotherapy sessions, that's where I started unveiling all these things. But I do remember one of my earliest childhood memories was my mom and my dad were fighting. He was high on some drug and they were like fighting terribly in the kitchen. And my dad was going to like smack. Well, according to my mom, I don't remember. She was screaming, saying that he was going to hit her with this pot. And I remember calling the cops on my dad at four years old. So talk about trauma, like it all started very early on in my life where I saw very toxic, negative relationships. And my mom had a lot of childhood trauma of her own, but she also had a lot of mental illness, which I didn't realize until later on in my life. So my mom had separated from my dad around four and around five or six, my stepdad came into the picture and they had a turbulent relationship too. There was a lot of drama there. Anything that had to do with my mom was very dramatic and traumatic. Like there was no, my mom was never just okay or happy. I remember as I started getting some common sense and some like actual knowledge of life, I was like, why does my mom, why is my mom always miserable? Why is she always depressed? Why is she always not happy? Like there was never a time where I asked my mom, hey, how are you doing today? And she said, great, everything's good. It was never that. There was always trouble and issues at her job. She was very much a victim of her life. And I remember when I got a little bit older, I was watching an Oprah show with my mom. And at this time, I mean, she had hidden like a lot of things, a lot of money troubles from me. She she did shelter me a, a bit when I was younger um, until I was about like seven or eight. And I watched that Oprah show with her. And Oprah had somebody on her episode talking about drug addiction and all these things I will never forget. I went up to my mom after that episode and I was like, mom, is my dad addicted to drugs? Like, you know, I saw this Oprah show and this is what they're saying. Is this true? Like, is he addicted to drugs? And I remember her looking at me like, oh my God, your, your innocence is done. Like, I remember her giving me these eyes. Like I said, there's not a lot I remember, but I remember her looking at me in a way like, oh crap, I have to tell her the truth. And this is like where her childhood ends. And it very much did for me at that moment because after that after she did admit yes your dad has a drug addiction your dad's a drug dealer actually he sells drugs for a living this is why you can never go to his house this is why you can never see him alone she had all these rules in place which did keep me protected but it also kept me very sheltered and very like I didn't really I didn't have any relationship with any family member except for my mother growing up and that moment was the death of my childhood and ever since then I knew everything that was going on I knew if she lost her job I knew if she if her and I had money issues I knew when we were going to get you know our car repoed or if we were going to like get the landlord was going to come and ask for the money for rent and we didn't have it and the moment I got a little bit older I started talking to the grown-ups about these things because I knew English and my mom didn't know English so I started talking to landlords and I started asking for extra time so we wouldn't get evicted and 
I, I started like just being the adult in my mother-daughter relationship. I started mothering my own mother in a sense. And as I got older, of course, I started seeing that she was so unhappy. So I almost felt like I had to perform and I like in a way that I had to just keep her happy. So if I did things that I knew would upset her, I felt responsible. Or if she was having a bad day, I would try to compensate. I tried to help her. I tried to overgive. And I'm actually reading this book and it's called Ch- Adult Children of Emotionally Unavailable Parents. And it describes my childhood to the T. I never felt like I could be myself around my mother or say my emotions or speak what I wanted. It was very much, no, this is what it is. This is what we're doing. She felt like that's that was her way of protecting me, I guess, in a way. That's what kept her safe. But it made me feel like I could never be myself. I could never really show my emotions. I remember as a child ever like experiencing an emotion, crying or yelling, and I would be told, you know, go to the wall, like my timeouts were, you know, go sit next to the wall in the refrigerator and think about what you did. There was other times that I would get threatened to be hit or she would say, what are you crying about? Or what, I'll give you something to cry about. There was always some negative reaction to any emotion that I had. And even feeling happy, I started feeling guilty of feeling happy around my mother because she was never happy. So if I came home and I was like, I had a great day, it was almost like her bad day overshadowed my good day. So I stopped telling her about my good days. I stopped telling her about my happiness or what I wanted to do or my hopes or my dreams. Because anytime that I said anything that I wanted, it was like, no, no, no. She got got me so controlled that I remember my sisters wanting to take me to like Disney World and it was like a big no, like, no, she's, you're not taking her. I don't have money for it. So that means you can't pay for her to go. So she's just not going. And I would, I remember always being like, oh, that was like my chance to just go be free and like go to Disney and feel happy. Like I would have loved that. I would have loved to have that time with my sisters and just go do something that wasn't with my mom. I remember this anxiety of feeling like I just want siblings or people that care about me or somebody's house that I can go to, like an aunt or anyone that I can go to and become a refugee and just like leave and be away from my mom for a while because her energy was always so negative and so toxic. And like I said, my dad was not very much in the picture. My stepdad was a little bit more as I got into my teenage years. And we did live with him for a little bit, which was nice because I did get like a paternal figure in my life that he's still in my life now, even though they haven't been together since I was 16. He's still in my life now. And he's somebody that I truly love and care for. And he's always cared for me in every single way. So I appreciate that he's been in my life. But with my mother, I just never felt that connection. I never felt that love. I never never felt that nurturing energy from her. And I'll be honest, it wasn't until about a year ago that I didn't like completely hate her for this. I felt so betrayed as a child of of somebody that already had two adult children pretty much when she had me. I was a big like, oops. And I was like, how did you not learn your lesson with these other two like how did you not learn how to be a good mom like why am I the third one to come into your life and now I have to be the adult and it's almost like you're priming me to like be your caregiver and your caretaker like I'm like your your rescuer now and why couldn't I have my childhood why couldn't I have been loved and nurtured and cared for in a way that made me feel safe and like I said, it wasn't until last year when I started going to hypnotherapy and realizing all the traumas and how we store them in our bodies and our subconscious that I actually started having empathy for my mom. I started feeling like, okay, she's not this monster. She's not this evil person that just wanted me to be miserable and, and feel so alone in my life growing up. 
she did that to protect me in a way. She did that to protect herself, right? She wanted me to perform and be and act a certain way because it kept her feeling safe. If she lost control of me or if I was able to have friends that I could go have sleepovers to their house or, you know, if I, my sisters were in my life, then maybe some of them can, you know, brainwash me into not thinking that my mom was great and to make making me realize that maybe my mom had issues. So she tried to keep me in this bubble almost where no one would let me know that she was like not mentally stable and she did a very good job. So I started empathizing with her because I was like, wow, she she has so much trauma from her childhood. She wasn't raised by her own mother. She was raised by a stranger that wasn't loving, that wasn't caring, that wasn't nurturing, that wasn't all these things that she she wasn't doing for me. But in a way, she felt like she did better than her. She did, she thought she did more than she than she could, right? She did more than she ever had, and she thought she was doing so great. So thankfully, through my healing journey, I've been able to let go of a lot of anger and a lot of resentment, a lot of shame about my mother and that wound that I have, because it's something that I'm, I'm still probably working through, and I'm sure it's going to come up in my ayahuasca ceremony, because as a little child you want like there's nothing more you want in life than to feel loved and cared for especially by your mother but thankfully I've been able to just kind of cleanse that energy and I hope to just continue healing that portion of me and I decided so when I was about 17 or 16 when I was about 16 my stepdad and her split and I became completely like her financial like little piggy bank I, I worked and I, I paid it all. Like there was, she'd relied on me a hundred percent. I had all these stresses that people in high school and my friends in high school did not have. And I felt almost jealous in a way that they had such good parents that like loved them and then put all these like pressures on them to make money to like pay bills. And they were able to just, you know, worry about what they were going to wear to homecoming and prom and whatever else. Meanwhile, I was literally so anxious, stressed out. I remember going to the doctor and I had like these like bumps and hives that like presented themselves all over my body um, my junior year of high school and I remember it clearly because it was before homecoming and I had them all over my body and when we went to the doctor they were like that's all stress related like literally my stress had boiled over through my skin and I'm a big believer that whatever you're feeling internally will you know result in some sickness or some sort of disorder because your body reacts to how we're feeling on the inside and of course my mom was always very sick my mom was always in and out of doctors and hospitals and she always had some ailment because of the way that she were was the, the way that she reacted to things so around the time that my mom and my stepdad split I was feeling so anxious because not only did I have to take on this monetary role as like the provider in our family of two but she also became very obsessed with in Spanish, it's called like santeria and brujeria, which is just like witchcraft, basically. But it comes from like the Caribbeans and it's pretty much witchcraft and just like working with negative energies and entities. So she became obsessed with the idea that my stepdad's family had done these things to her that was that were ruining her life. And so anything that would happen to her was just like proof that she was in the right, that all these things were happening to her. And I would say that that was one of the times that I realized, oh my gosh, my mom's really going down the rabbit hole. Like her mental illness is not okay. Like she became obsessed and she became obsessed to the point like we would go to see like a clairvoyant at every like weekend or a tarot card reader or a healer of some sort every weekend and she would spend money that she did not have my stepdad at the time thankfully was still giving us money and helping us out financially um as well as whatever i was making but we be she became so obsessed she even had me become a reiki master i would remember doing that in, like 
after school, after high school. And I thought it was, it was nuts. And part of me growing up Catholic, I had already, because my stepdad was an atheist, pretty much. He did not believe in God. And my mom was very Catholic. I grew up already questioning my religion, how I grew up believing in God. And I had, I've been questioning that for a while, but now something like spirituality and things that could have been positive. Now she's, she put such a dark energy around that and such a like pushy, like you need to do this and this is going to make us better. And almost like a, like a forced energy that she put behind it, that I, I became very turned off by spirituality as well. So I was forced to become a Reiki master when I was 18 years old, 17, 18 years old. I was still in high school. And I, of course I didn't tell any of my friends. I thought my mom was nuts. And this was I'm 33 now, so I don't know whatever the math is on that. This was this wasn't cool back then. Like spirituality is cool now, and like people are really getting in touch with themselves. That wasn't cool when I was in high school. That's not what my friends did. So I was very embarrassed to even like tell my friends that I did these things. So I became very like turned off by the whole spirituality thing, or or thinking that there was like energy, or I became very like no mom like. There's not a God that's going to come save you. There's not a spirit that's going to come hurt you. Like, this is on you. You need to take control of your life. I became very upset and very annoyed that she wouldn't just go get a job and, you know, help me financially and go work on herself and go to therapy. At the time, I was working with a psychiatrist. I was doing clinical trials with him, and I was just doing, like, data entry because I was in high school. But that was my after-school job, and I remember talking to my the, the psychiatrist that I worked with and he was like you need to come I'll help her you need to have her come to me and I will talk to her she's depressed she has anxiety I'm sure she has all these other mental illnesses but I couldn't even say that to my mom because that would have been just a, such a slap to her face and I would get her job interviews like I, I knew enough people and I talked to enough people that I would get her job interviews and she just like wouldn't even show up and so around 19 years old I decided at the time I had been talking to my sister a little bit like one of my two sisters and I called her crying. I was like, I cannot do this anymore. I had like $50 in my joint bank account with my mother. And she was very much about her appearance too. So mind you, we had no money. Like I said, we had no money in and out of like houses. I lived, I lived in at least like 15 to 20 places growing up. And I kid you not, three to five different elementary schools I went to. Our cars got repoed a lot. We were evicted. We lived in efficiencies. Like my mom cared about her appearance, how she looked to the, to the world, how she you know, showed up to people. I couldn't even invite friends to like our efficiency because she was embarrassed that we lived in such a shitty little place. But yet our $50, we had $50 in our bank account and she spent like $30 of it. And I remember looking at the bank account and I thought somebody like must have stolen her debit card because who in their right mind would spend 30 out of the $50 that we had left in our bank account. And I remember calling her and she was like, no, yeah, I bought a purse because we both at the time we would like share clothes sometimes or like purses and accessories. And she was like, yeah, you needed a white purse and I needed a white purse. So I bought us a purse. And I remember thinking, oh my God, what is happening in this world? I cannot do this anymore. I'm done. I called my older sister and she was like, you know, I got you like come live with me. And so I, I left my house at 19 years old. And I knew that when the moment I would leave, that was going to open up. Oh, I'm sorry. Before that, let me backtrack a little bit. Before the purse thing, I would say that the, the other reason why I decided to like leave my house and, and walk away from my mom, which is honestly the, the most toxic relationship I think I've ever had in my life, was when my dad passed away at 18 years old, 18 and 19. So it was all happening around the same time. She, I would, I was crying. I remember my dad was just like, he had had multiple strokes. So he was paralyzed from like his left whole side. 
And on his deathbed, he was apologizing to me for not being a good father, for not being there for me. You know, he was way older, so he was in his 70s when he passed away. And I remember being so sad that, like, yes, it felt good to have closure and have have that moment with him. But I remember feeling so sad that now there would be no way that I could ever have this relationship that I always dreamt of and hoped of with my father. I guess in part of me growing up and not having my father, and if you're listening to this and you, you didn't have your father in your life, as a little girl, especially, I think you always imagine like there's just going to be this one time that your dad's going to come and it's going to save the day and he's going to love you the way you want to be loved and take care of you. And he's going to like come to your rescue. He's going to be your superhero. So when he died, it like crushed my soul to know that that was it. There was just no way that that would ever happen. And I remember going home crying and my mom would look at me and be like, why are you crying? Like your dad was never there for you. And just bad mouthing my dad and just talking so poorly of a man that just died and not letting me feel the sadness that I needed to feel and I remember just suppressing it and being like oh my god she's right why am I crying and then I feel silly and and you know ashamed that I was sad ashamed that I was feeling all these negative or what she was deeming as negative emotions and then the whole purse thing and so that made me run away from home basically at 19 years old and I remember leaving and I called my stepdad which by the way, I wasn't allowed to talk to my stepdad after he left when I was 16. So for years, he helped us with money and I never really spoke to him. So the moment I left my home, I called him and I said, hey, let's have lunch. I want to talk to you. And during our lunch conversation, we both realized that my mom would ask me for money for the same thing that he would ask. She would ask him for money for. And I had no idea. He had no idea. And it would be like our car payment and our car would still get repoed. So I started adding things up and basically my mom would just like play both of us and use us both for money and neither of us know what happened to that money because like, we would still get like our cars taken away and I, we would still have to you know leave and be evicted from wherever we were living so I assumed that she was giving money to like all these spiritual people that would try to help her and you know cleanse her and help her luck basically because she believed in luck and just that things would just magically happen for her so when I left at 19 years old I promised myself that I would never feel that intensity of, oh shit, where's my next meal going to come from? Where's where, where am I going to live? Do I have a stable home? Do I have a stable car? I went out and bought my first car in 19 with my own money, lived with my sister for a bit. Then I left with an ex-boyfriend um, and we moved to another state. And I remember just wa working my ass off. And at that point, I'm like, okay, great. I just have myself to take care of. Like, I'm going to make this happen. And I've never looked back since. That was like my own journey of just like independence and being like okay with myself. But then I was also, there was a lot of shame and guilt that came from leaving and abandoning my mom. And she made me feel it as well. Like she came to my sister's house after I left and she was like, how could you do this to me? You know, victim mentality. Like I said, she was just a victim of life. So she was a victim, of course, of me leaving her. The narrative growing up was that my sisters abandoned her. So now I'm doing it to her as well. And there was a lot of shame and guilt that came from that. And at the time, because I had been suppressing my emotions for so long, I had no idea how I was really feeling. So what happened was I moved away with my ex-boyfriend. I started getting into romantic relationships that I felt felt safe. And so, you know, fast forward, I've been in a relationship my whole life, basically with different people long term, because I've needed this like love and security from them that I never got from my mom or my dad. So I realized that since then, but like, it's crazy how our brains work, right? I didn't realize at that time how my emotions just, I needed to feel them. I needed to cleanse them out. I needed to maybe go to therapy at 19, talk about 
all these big life changes and, and big traumas that I've had, big and little traumas that I've had growing up. And instead, what I did was I moved away with my ex-boyfriend, started bartending at 21, started drinking like crazy, partying. You know, in your 20s, you're just thinking of the day in front of you and the day ahead of you. You're not thinking long term. You're not thinking, wow, like what am I really like holding on to here from the past? Like, why am I miserable? Why am I not happy? Why am I attracting these like crappy friends? Why am I not happy with myself? Why, 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 why? Right. We have all these questions, but we're not really questioning them. We're just kind of living in the moment and for the day of tomorrow and just drinking and numbing ourselves and partying and being crazy and wild. So that was a mouthful. So that was pretty much my whole life story there. I, I was married at 23. I met my ex-husband at 23 and we got married pretty fast. We eloped. So within eight months we were married. So that was a big time in my life as well. Like I I didn't know who I was. So a lot of who I became in my 20s was revolved around him and us and not just me. So around 27, 20, no, 20, yeah, 28 or so, I had like a quarter life crisis. I knew my 30s were coming. I had put all this emphasis on myself and, and being this like high achiever at the time. I expected myself to be making a lot more money and all these things. And my life just came, came crumbling down. I became so anxious, so stressed, so depressed. Him and I had a turbulent marriage. Like, of course, I had trauma that I had been building up in my body and in my soul and my spirit for years. He had his own set of trauma. So we became toxic together. And I remember and at that time, like I said, I had no spiritual guidance. I had given up on God. I had given up on spirituality. I had given up on everything. Every once in a while, I would kind of pray and I think just by default, I'd be like, hey, God, you know, if you're up there, like if you're listening, can you help me feel better, please? But it wasn't a devotional like that. I actually believed that I was talking to anyone. And so I started wanting to get in touch with my spirituality. And I knew something had to change because I knew I was drinking way too much. I knew I was so unhappy. I was so depressed and I got so sick of my own shit. And that's when I decided I needed to go to therapy and I started going to therapy. And of course, that like opening up the can of worms that I've been working really hard to put the lid on and just like really stuff in there and just block and hide and just shove in there. It took me a long time during therapy to not feel all this guilt and shame for where I came from and just allowing myself to feel emotions that were so suppressed as a child. So then I started, okay, like, let me, let, what feels good to me? Let me, you know, get curious about what feels good to me spiritually. And then I started kind of, okay, like, you know, talking to spirit guides, talking to the universe feels good to me, talking to my angels. I believed in crystals. I believed in energy. I believed in doing good and good coming to you, karma. I believed in all these things. And I was like, okay, this feels good. I can get behind this. This feels like aligned to me. And thankfully, I started finding my spirituality again because I do believe that we all need something to believe in. And I do believe that there's a God, a something higher and bigger than us. I don't know that I have a a specific God that I would say I, I believe in, but I do believe in a higher power. And thankfully that came hand in hand with me working on myself and going to therapy because I did need at that time something to believe in, something to hold on to, something, somebody, some, some entity to pray to, to call on when I was feeling so down and going through the trenches. But it's funny because looking back now, like that was hard. Therapy's hard. Working on myself, going through my traumas was hard now speaking about my whole life story, like that was way harder. And all the stuff that I shunned, especially in my 20s and like not being being happy with myself in my 20s, like that was even worse. So the heart of working on myself has definitely been so much better for me. 
and so much and so worth it for me than to live in that that darkness and that pain. And I'm so happy that I've been able to say this whole story here and I've probably been rambling on for a while, but I used to talk about my story to my therapist because I've gone to like four different therapists in the last four years. And I remember getting choked up in almost all of them except for the last one. And I remember crying a lot, actually. The first two, I would cry. My story was so heavy to me. And I remember somebody telling me, you know that you're more healed when you're, you can tell your story and it doesn't break you down anymore. And you use that to like help others. And if you're listening to this, I hope it inspires you because we all come from broken homes. Or not all of us. Some of us have pretty healthy homes, I guess. But a lot of us come from broken homes and from places that we wish we didn't. And things have happened to us in our past that weren't fair to us, especially to our child's souls. We were we were born so perfect and pure and somewhere along the line, our parents just, all this shit happened to us and it wasn't fair and it didn't feel fair and it didn't feel okay. But I'm here to tell you that you get to choose the life that you want to live and you get to put that out to the universe. You get to create that with God, with the universe, with whoever and whatever it is that you believe in. And it's all about a choice. Sometimes you do have to walk away from those relationships. Like after I I left my mother, I still spoke to her for a while, for a few years, gave her money, sent her money. And then one day I just had to cut that whole relationship off because it was consuming. It was draining. There's been other relationships and friendships that I've had to cut off because of the same reason. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that those people are bad. It doesn't mean that those people are evil. It just means that you know yourself well enough and you love yourself enough to say, I cannot have you in my life. Like me and you don't belong in the same energy fields. I need to protect myself. I need to protect my energy. And that's okay. And there was, like I said, a lot of shame and a lot of guilt that came from me doing that, especially because it was my mom and she made sure to make me feel guilty. But I'm in such peace now knowing that I've created the life that I wanted aside from everything that was thrown at me, aside from all the the hardness, the pain, the suffering, the trauma, the, the loneliness that I felt growing up, not having anyone around me, really just being alone with my mom and And literally being like, okay, the one person I've had my whole life, I'm going to leave because this doesn't feel good anymore. I promise you, if you're listening to this and you're in a relationship or you're in a family dynamic or you're, you have a family member that doesn't feel right, that doesn't, it doesn't mean that you have to shun them out out of your life forever. But I promise you that setting your boundaries and letting them know where you stand and letting them know that they maybe don't belong in your life the way that they are right now will make you feel so much better just because they're your family members, just because they raised you, just because that's all you quote-unquote have doesn't mean that that's all you'll ever have. Ever since then, I've met amazing people. I've had amazing connections, amazing friends, even my romantic relationships, even though at some point maybe, you know, my marriage was toxic, my ex-husband's an amazing individual, my ex-boyfriend's an amazing individual. Your life story, the people that come to you after you decide that you want better will be better. And sometimes your friends become your family. The people that you meet, strangers, become more meaningful in your life and more amazing in your life than the people that you were supposed to rely on for safety, for love, for nurturing. And that's okay. Because, again, we didn't choose that. But we get to choose who we leave, who we allow in our life, and how our life turns out from here on out. So I hope my life story has helped you guys realize that you don't have to stay stuck in a place that doesn't feel good. You don't have to stay there. You don't have to be around people that you don't want to. You don't have to live a miserable life because the people around you are living miserable lives. So with all that being said, now that I've you know been in my spiritual journey for a while, about three years ago, 
I was still with my ex-husband and I remember telling him, I want to go on a spiritual retreat and it just didn't work out. Then COVID happened. All this craziness happened. And I had heard about ayahuasca for a while before that. He had actually mentioned it to me because he had a friend that had done it. And we were both like, oh my God, that's insane. I don't, I don't know that I could ever do ayahuasca. That sounds so intense. So ayahuasca is basically plant medicine. It's actually, it's a vine, I believe. And it's a hallucinant and it's a psychedelic. They call it the mother plant. It's supposed to be nurturing, loving, and caring. What it's supposed to do is help you release any negative emotions, help you heal, show you what you're still holding on to. And if there's any negative entities that have been attached to you or that you need to move on from, all of that's supposed to be released and it's supposed to help you get connected to your higher self. So when I found this retreat about December last year and I was like, oh, great, it starts March 16th. How perfect. It's on my birthday. This is what I've always wanted. And I spoke to a spiritual leader that's that's going to be doing the retreat. He was like, yeah, by the way, we also do ayahuasca in the ceremony. My initial reaction was like, oh my God, that's so scary. I can't, I don't know that I could do that, but I've always been intrigued and I've always kind of been called to it, but it's been like a, oh my gosh, that's scary. I don't know that I could do it. So now after going through all my therapy and all my trauma healing, and I know that there's still stuff that I'm still holding on to. There's, we all have things we want to work through. I'm so excited to get into this. I'm so excited to go to this retreat and not only have that whole week to really just be centered. I, as sad as it sounds, this is the first vacation that I've ever taken where I'm not eating crap and like bad food or I'm not drinking. So I'm actually have been preparing my mind, body, and spirit for this journey. And I quit alcohol about three days ago and I'm going to quit it for a while, even after the ceremony. And I quit coffee at the beginning of the year. I've had it a handful of times since, but I stop having it every morning. I'm eating really raw and clean and organic and just journaling and just trying to be as centered as possible so that when I go into the ceremony, I can let ayahuasca and the plant medicine guide me into what it is that I need to release, what it is that I need to heal deeper and go deeper into myself. And like I said, if you would have asked me, would you ever do ayahuasca three years ago? I'd have been like, hell no, that's so scary. Absolutely not. I No, I don't want to, I don't know what I would, my biggest thing was like, I don't know what I'm going to see. I have such a vivid imagination. I'm so this, I'm so that. And really in, looking back now, I, I realized that I was just so scared of what I would find. And I was so scared of actually looking deep within me. But now that I've done some of the work and I've looked really deep, I, I know that I'll be okay. I think subconsciously, like my mind's trying to trick me into thinking like, no, this is scary. We've never done this. Like, what are we doing? And I've had a little bit of anxiety, but I did talk to um, the shaman today and he just, he helped me feel so much more at ease. And he was like, you're not in the wrong. Everyone feels nervous, even if they've done plant medicine before. So just like, let yourself feel what you have to feel and just come into this knowing that you're going to, you're going to only get what you need to see. So I cannot wait. I'm going to make this a part one and I'm going to, after my ceremony, I will be on here with part two. So it'll probably be in a couple weeks until I get back and I'm able to record that. But I am so excited to share that journey with you guys as well, especially if you're somebody that has contemplated in the past. They say ayahuasca calls for you and you know when it's the right time. So it's not something you have to push or something that you need to do to heal. There's definitely other ways you can heal and work on yourself. But for me, I know it's a time and I've never felt so aligned in my life. I have actually never felt so, felt so grounded and so much in my true authentic self. And 
that's why I'm so happy that I'm recording these episodes for you guys because I really hope that translates and I hope that motivates you to finding your true authentic self and just master yourself, all right? Self-mastery with Maria. That's why I named it this because we all have the opportunity to master our lives and ourselves. So I hope you guys have a great day and I hope you enjoyed this episode and I can't wait to be back there at part two.